Hello listeners, the International Association of Business Communicators, IABC, is a diverse global community working to advance the profession, create connections, and develop strategic communicators. IABC Ottawa, established in 1976, is a community for professional communicators who want to thrive in their career. IABC Ottawa's podcast, The Voice, is one such platform that supports our outreach to connect with our audience. The podcast is back with its new season. And this voice on The Voice belongs to me, Anu Sharma, your host for this season. I'm a communications professional who enjoys being a storyteller and brand builder. In this journey together, we interact with leading communicators worldwide, address questions and solve problems for our comms community. In today's episode, Influence and Impact While Mastering the Art of Storytelling, we'll highlight the importance of crafting compelling communication narratives that resonate with audiences. In today's fast-paced digital world, where attention spans are shrinking, compelling storytelling can make all the difference in capturing people's attention and conveying a message that stays in the audience's mind and their hearts. Good stories strengthen the connection between the audience and the organizations they engage with. Today, we have with us two talented storytellers who are passionate about the world of communications and the impact it creates. Emily Thorne, Vice President at Crestview Strategy, will share insights on creating impactful communication campaigns across various sectors, drawing from her extensive experience in integrated strategic communications. Ashish Manchanda, Senior Group Head at AdFactors PR India, will bring his expertise in digital media, digital strategy, and influencer management to the discussion. Welcome, Emily. Welcome, Ashish. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. Hi, Anu and Emily. Uh, hope you both are doing great. Belated happy Diwali to all the listeners. And thank you for the generous introduction, Anu, and a very warm welcome to all your listeners. Hi, Anu. Thanks for having me today. Let's dive right in. Can both of you share an example of a communications campaign where storytelling played a pivotal role in influencing the target audience and achieving a significant impact? What elements of the story made it so effective? One of my favorite examples of this goes a few years back in my career now. Um, a good five or six years ago, I was doing work for the Royal Canadian Mint on the PR side, typically promotion of their commemorative coins and collector's coins as they would be launched and unveiled to the public. And so at this time, uh, they had created a special commemorative coin for the 150th anniversary of the Royal Astronomical Society of Canada, which is a really significant milestone. Obviously, this came just after Canada 150. Um, and so this is one of the oldest organizations in, in Canada's uh, history, which is super exciting. And the Mint had created this beautiful limited edition coin that actually featured a real piece of meteor rock, kind of this unique collector's item that only, I think, a thousand people would have the opportunity to to collect. Uh, the challenge, though, is that uh, coin collecting is like a very niche kind of hobby. And so there is a very uh, enthusiastic and motivated audience uh, that is invested in coin collecting on a regular basis. Um, but it's certainly not what we would consider general population. And largely not in Canada either. And it's a great international community of coin collectors, but the, that group of folks in Canada is quite small. 
And at the same time, we had this audience of, uh, you know, astronomers, people invested in and interested in astronomy, science communicators, um, you know, the academic community, et cetera, who are all you know, experts on astronomy and making a real difference in the world of science. Again, a somewhat small uh, sliver of the Canadian general population. So our challenge was really to figure out how we could tell the story of both the uh, the Astronomical Society and their 150th anniversary, as well as this coin in a way that kind of married the interests of uh, not only those two groups of audiences I just mentioned, but, you know, a, a broader Canadian public as well. And so we kind of did a lot of brainstorming and, and ended up coming up with a unifying message of this epic origin story of the coin itself. And so we were able to leverage at that time what was then, it's probably more common now, but um, pretty innovative 3D animation technology uh, to do basically a short film that um, demonstrated kind of the birth of this coin in outer space, um, you know, a, a big blast of the meteor and, you know, the coin emerging um, from from that interaction. Uh, and it was, uh, you know, a really fun and interesting way to get all sorts of people invested in, you know, what is this coin? What is it about? Um, it was super engaging and we were able to kind of activate not just online in a digital space with that 3D animation, but also in person, we had some, you know, experiential activations where this is actually like a 3D story that people were able to immerse themselves in, in real life. Um, and so that is a very specific example, but I think it's like one of my favorite examples of how we can take kind of disparate interests of niche audiences and um, develop something net new. So like a, an origin story of this coin that obviously didn't really happen that way, but um, we were to able to apply some creative thinking um, in a way that kind of struck a chord with not just our two target audiences, but a broader group of Canadians. And um, ultimately, you know, the, that collector's coin sold out in a matter of 48 hours just from our 3D animation, the, the PR around it and the earned media that we were driving using that storytelling, the coin sold out in 48 hours without any actual paid advertising behind it. So it was a really big success for our clients, obviously, but it was um, something that we're super proud of in terms of uh, getting the Canadian public excited about something um, that they might not have ever heard of before or been interested in otherwise. That's a very interesting example. In fact, I've heard about it and I've read about it. So I think your storytelling really did make a difference. And uh, that success <laughs> wow. story of selling it out in 48 hours, I think that's a really good case study and success story. Uh, thank you for sharing, Emily. Ashish, uh, would you like to answer? Uh, I would like to begin with a quote from American poet Muriel Rukaiser. The universe is made of stories, not atoms. Science may disagree, but I firmly believe in this. Now, coming to your question, uh, storytelling is indeed a powerful tool for influencing the right target audience. And we humans grow up listening to stories, especially in the Indian context. And I know you can relate to this. I remember growing up listening to fables, real stories of partition from my grandparents. So stories have a unique power to captivate attention and engage you. It draws you in, making you more receptive to the message. It evokes emotions. And when the audience emotionally connects with the story, it becomes more memorable. 
it influences attitudes, behavior, and it builds trust by creating an authentic and human connection. And when the audience sees the story as genuine and relatable, they are more likely to trust the message being conveyed. Uh, now let's take few global examples before coming to indigenous brands. For decades, Apple has built on the same foundation. Think different. The other names that come to mind is Share a Coke campaign by Coke. Personalization, emotional appeal being the key elements of storytelling. For that matter, Real Beauty by Dove is also a good example. And our Indian brands are not too far behind. So be it the healthy snack brand, The Whole Truth, or the coffee brand like Sleepy Owl, which has touched revenue of more than 200 million now. It's just the powerful storytelling that has enabled them to build the brand. We call it DKDC brands. Don't know, don't care. So you don't have to be a D2C brand to emphasize on storytelling. Even a aggressive brand manages to strike a chord with the audience through powerful storytelling and narrative. Like Fevicol ka mazbo jod or chutki be chipka hai quick. And what makes these stories effective? I think it's the emotional resonance. It's the relatability. It's the dialogue. It's the characters used. It's the cultural sensitivity, I think, which is very important. And sometimes it's the visualization or the element of surprise also. That's a very, very beautifully put context, Ashish. And thank you for giving us a global picture. And I understand how you, how you mentioned, you know, like grandparents used to tell us stories and parents used to tell us stories. So your point is a good segue to my next question. So in today's digital age, how has the role of storytelling evolved? I think in terms of changes, first of all, most definitely, yes, storytelling has evolved in how. And if patience is a virtue, we millennials have none. So the attention span is, is not there. So you have to convey your story as quickly as possible. And social media has transformed storytelling into a more interactive experience. So integration of multimedia elements has become a norm. And there's abundance of data available which enables you to personalize your communication and tailor stories to individual preferences. And I think audience is much more smart now. Like they value authenticity and transparency. And the trend is more towards honest and authentic storytelling. And even if it involves acknowledging challenges or mistakes, this only builds trust with the audience. Uh, with UGC, user-directed content, your consumers have become your storytellers. So it's not a one-way street anymore like it used to be. And the goal is to follow a more collaborative and inclusive storytelling approach. Now coming to second part of the question, speaking of challenges, I think it's the information overload. There are millions of content pieces floating over the internet day in and day out. So the challenge is to cut through the noise and capture attention. And I think the opportunity lies in crafting compelling narratives that stand out and resonate with the target audience. I think I briefly spoke about the second one. It's the short attention span. So as a marketer, you have to craft concise and impactful stories that can quickly grab and maintain attention. I think third is the opening of WhatsApp universities. Like there, there's a lot of fake news around. For some of the conglomerates I work with, I think one of my biggest challenge is navigating misinformation. Fourth thing, I think the cultural sensitivity, like India is called a subcontinent. Multiple people have their multiple cultural sensitivities. So the challenge is to create stories that are universally resonant uh, while respecting diverse cultural perspectives. And I think not just a challenge, but an opportunity also is in terms of technology. I think you mentioned AI and VR. We, all of us were speaking about metaverse. We were, we were going gaga about it. We were quite bullish on metaverse. We were proposing it to 
the brands we work with but it, it's i don't think it's it's relevant anymore so it it the rapid evolution of technology is a challenge and it's an opportunity also so i think the evolving landscape presents both challenges as well as opportunity for storytellers like us and i think navigating this landscape require a combination of creativity adaptability and a deep understanding of audience dynamics and preferences thank you ashish that's a very interesting perspective we don't only look at challenges but also opportunities and that's what uh, we communicators and storytellers do on a daily basis thank you for sharing emily uh, we'd request for your thoughts please i think ashish really hit the nail on the head for so many of the major trends that we're seeing and also the challenges and opportunities that communicators face no matter what kind of particular stream of communications you're operating in today my main thoughts which i think align uh, 100% was what ashish is saying is that you know in general the way that the the landscape is evolving it, it really necessitates communications planning that takes a wrap around integrated approach because given all of the noise all of the you know um, information coming at our audiences at all times from all angles you're almost never going to reach and engage your target audience with your story in a in a meaningful way through you know a single channel or a single communications tactic and so it really behooves us in the communications field to think about you know not just earned media not just digital marketing but you know what is the perfect recipe of all of those options that will um you know create an environment that's easy and accessible for your audience to engage with your story challenge wise i already mentioned and she's described beautifully that you know it is a private environment everyone is vying for your audience's attention at all times and i think that um you know we've kind of passed a tipping point now of audience exhaustion with you know the standard kind of way that brands or you know my clients are trying to market to them or mobilize them around a particular issue and so being very aware of that level of exhaustion with outside messages uh, the kind of skepticism that i think is innate in a lot of um our audiences we're engaging today which is not necessarily a bad thing uh, like she said everybody is much more informed there's been obviously a democratization of information and that just means that we have to make sure that our, our messages and storytelling are as authentic and defensible as possible because um you know gone are the days when we can kind of spin the the narrative um to suit our needs you know internet detectives out there and people just with really great meters personal like internal meters for what's what's authentic and and what's you know fake you know, we'll be on the case to call you out for that. So I think that that is both a challenge and an opportunity. Um, you know, it's a challenge to us as communicators to find ways to do that communication authentically. But when, you know, you hit the mark on it, it, it certainly can open a huge number of doors for engagement with, with your audience in a meaningful way. That's again a very interesting insight, and thank you, Emily. For I mean, it kind of uh, really plugs into what Ashish also said that the audience can really call out between fake and authentic now. So thank you for mm -hmm. highlighting that important uh, part again. And you also did mention integrated communications, which I think is mm -hmm. extremely integral uh, in today's time because uh, there are so many modes and mediums to reach out to our uh, audiences, and uh, there's so much communication going on, and we have to speak to them in a language that appeals to them. 
So those are some really good examples and insights. Uh, Emily, I have another question for you. Uh, so you provide senior counsel on integrated strategic communications for the private sector, nonprofit, and industry association clients to influence perceptions and drive change amongst their most critical audiences. What common principles apply to compelling storytelling across different industries? And where do you see room for customization? I mean, I think this comes back to what we've been touching on already quite a bit throughout this conversation. But for me, the way to do successful storytelling for my clients today is really coming at it from an audience-centric point of view. Quite understandably, a lot of corporations and brands, you know, they have their internal mandates, they have their corporate POV, and then they have communications kind of targets that flow from that. And that makes great sense from a business point of view. But when we think about from a communications point of view, how how to structure a story, how to think about storytelling, um, really, in my experience, the most successful storytelling campaigns don't start with you know what the corporation or the client wants. It starts with what's important to the audience, because you know what's important to the audience is not always the same as what's important to my clients. And so what I try to push our, our client teams and our account teams always to do is, you know, start with that audience segmentation, use the the wealth of data that's available to us now, as Ashish mentioned, um, to really build those audience profiles and understand the psyche of those individuals and those unique audience groups. And then figure out from there based on, you know, what they are looking for from anything, from any brand, from any corporation, from their government, from their communities, how can my client or the client brand add value to that? So although we are, you know, the real goal when we work as communications consultants is to help drive outcomes for our clients, when we're building storytelling campaigns, the kind of lens that I like to apply to things is how can my client drive outcomes for their audience? And that's kind of the the just subtle mind shift that um, I think can make planning much easier and and also um, helps orient you know your entire campaign if it is indeed a campaign that you're planning towards something that's ultimately going to be much much more successful. So that that would be my number one priority and then and principle for for this sort of thing. Customization, of course, is is. Yeah, I mean, like that principle I just described is very general, but when you apply that in practice, um, depending on what client or audience it is that you're you're thinking about, um, customization is is actually quite critical. We've spoken about this, but kind of like generic narratives that make big bold claims without any proof behind them or without any level of specification to the needs of your audience segment or applicability to just kind of like today's day and age, the news cycle of the day, et cetera, is really going to fall flat. So I think the general principle of starting with an audience and then moving outwards is applicable across industries and sectors, no matter what your theme is. Um, but then, you know, applying that in practice, you, you really have to understand the the kind of sectoral ecosystem you're working within and the unique, uh, you know, drivers and motivations of the audiences within that ecosystem that you're targeting. Thank you so much, Emily. I have to say thank you to IBC Ottawa as well for giving me this opportunity to speak to, you know, communicators and leaders like both of you. I'm learning so much today. 
I mean, you rightly mentioned that start with your audience segmentation, explore and use data to understand your audience, which is extremely crucial. And these are very important points for effective storytelling and building long-lasting audience connections. So thank you for sharing your thoughts. Ashish, as a digital strategist with a demonstrated history of working in integrated content strategy and digital marketing, how do you integrate storytelling into the digital landscape? What strategies and platforms have you found most effective for conveying these narratives? There are multiple ways and platforms. I'll throw some numbers at you. Cost of 1 GB mobile internet is more than 5 USD in Canada. Whereas in India, it's less than $0.2. It's the cheapest in the world. With growing 5G penetration, cheap data, and number of smartphone users touching 1 billion now, I think videos have emerged as one of the most powerful storytelling mediums. I've been to remotest corners of the country and people are accessing video content on their 5G smartphones. So I think video has become a rich. In terms of social media, unfortunately and fortunately, we don't have TikTok in India, but social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, X are powerful tools and each of these platforms have unique capabilities. And for most of the clients we work with, we follow platform-specific strategy. Now, I'll dig deep into it. A lot of people in India say Facebook is dead. Some say it's an old-age home. But when you see the metrics, we call it MAU, monthly active users. India is the biggest market for Facebook. It has 385 million monthly active users. That's more than the population of US. So we use Facebook differently. Instagram again, India is the biggest market for Instagram also with 335 million. Again, bigger than the population of US. And these platforms have evolved over the period of time. You may say there is no organic reach on Facebook, but the kind of flexibility Facebook offers, you know, the platform does. When Instagram has evolved as a platform, it's no longer a platform to flaunt your biceps to tell the world what you are eating and where you are traveling to. It has become a melting point of emotions. LinkedIn also, again, India is the second biggest market for LinkedIn. And the number of monthly active users have doubled post-pandemic from 50 million to 100 million. So our strategy evolved from platform to platform. But we have seen videos working fantastically well as a powerful medium of storytelling. There are the powerful tools also. There is content marketing. There is podcasting. There are 70 million active listeners when it comes to podcasts in India as concerned. And influencer marketing also. But in a nutshell, I think successful digital storytelling involves a multi-channel approach. An approach that considers the strengths and characteristics of each platform. Uh, and I strongly feel the key is to adapt your narrative to fit to the medium. Engage your audience and then create a cohesive and immersive experience across various digital channels. Thanks for sharing this data and highlighting how data is useful in developing and adapting narratives. And platform-specific uh, strategies, another great example, Ashish. Thank you. Influence and impact often go hand-in-hand hand with measuring success. How do you define and measure the impact of a storytelling-driven communications campaign? And what metrics or methods do you consider most valuable? In general, like I like to think about measurement for any sort of storytelling in kind of two parallel tracks. Obviously, there is the quantitative metrics, the, the outputs of your communication activity that can and absolutely should be tracked on an ongoing basis um, and can be really impressive, you know, from a client perspective, from a you know, an overall communications perspective. It's great to see when you have like really great stats and data in terms of, you know, reach, engagement, and also kind of 
you know, engaging audiences a little bit further down the marketing funnel in terms of consideration, conversion, and loyalty. Those are, you know, especially in more of a PR sphere and strategic communication sphere, um, a little bit more elusive because we typically tend to work in in like a, an awareness raising space a lot of the time. So, um, I mean, I think those metrics are always going to be relevant, whether, you know, you're building something that's strictly a storytelling campaign or any sort of communications campaign wherein storytelling is involved. But as far as influence, like I think about that as a bit of a different thing. And it's it's harder to kind of define both for, you know, ourselves as communicators and also for clients who are looking to have influence because, um it's a less straightforward thing. And so influencing perceptions, actions, you know, general public discourse or thinking on a given issue, um, moving the needle in a meaningful way is usually not something that can be done overnight unless you have the perfect storm of, you know, something happening in the world, everyone's 100% attention to your issue, and, you know, a lot of demands at like a political level, at a at a social and economic level, et cetera. But usually these things are not all happening at one time. And, and therefore, you know, driving influence is more of a s- slow burn effort. And the, you know, the measurement of that, of course, the kind of quantitative metrics, they add up to influence over time. But um I, I think probably Anu, you and Ashish would agree that, you know, driving, you know, one several month campaign with really great click through rate is not going to amount to driving influence. And so I think of influence as delivering a client's ultimate outcomes. What are their organizational goals? Is it policy change? Is it generating social license from, you know, a community or from some sort of public? in order for that organization or for a government to move forward with some sort of action, those things are big and and they take time. So anyway, this is not a great straightforward example for you, but I think like influence is something that we need to think about in a much broader sense and not get so hung up on the metrics of influence because um, influence, like anything, takes time to build. It takes credibility. It takes a sustained effort. And it's not exactly kind of the momentary gratification that you get out of a single communications campaign or tactic. It's the the total sum of those things taken together over time. So yeah, I mean, I, I think we have to do all, all of the above. We have to measure with specificity. We have access to data. We have access to amazing metrics and we need to be tracking these things because they also demonstrate value, especially from like a client and consultant point of view, we can always be demonstrating the value of the work that we do and helping our clients demonstrate to their bosses the value and the return on investment for you know the the resources they put into communications. But overall, I encourage my clients to think about influence as something of um, a lofty aspiration. And you know, to say that you've achieved influence is is I think a rare case. To me, it's it's a continual pursuit. And so in that sense, the, like the measurement and the effort is, is really never done. While Emily covered a lot about influence, I would like to shed some light on the measurement bit. I think exactly 60 years back, David Ogilvy in his book, Confessions of an Advertising Man wrote, 
half the money I spend on advertising is wasted, and the trouble is I don't know which half. I think uh, it's not true anymore. Uh, with the advancement of digital, I think you can track each and every penny spent, and that's the good part and bad part about digital marketing that everything is measurable, right? Uh, there are quantifiable metrics in terms of engagement. There is reach, impression, engagement, engagement rate. In terms of website analytics, uh, there is website traffic, bounce rate, time spent on relevant pages. There are conversion rates. So each and everything has become measurable. But like you mentioned, we need to have a longer perspective in mind, right? Things do not change overnight. Uh, needles are not moved in a day or two. But it's good to measure when it comes to metrics, like in terms of brand metrics, like sentiment analysis, share of voice, burst analysis, who are your key influencers, who are your detractors, it helps you keep a track whether your performance, whether your campaign has worked or not. So I think measurement is quite critical in today's day and age. This is something that has evolved with the period of time, the advancement of digital. Thank you, Ashish. Really good points. And um, measurement is definitely critical. We have to show our ROI. And I agree that digital marketing really helps us measure all those metrics now. That shows the involvement of communications. Uh, thank you for sharing. Now, my next question is, uh, while we're speaking of challenges, what is the most significant challenge you faced in your career regarding storytelling and how did you overcome it? So I'm going to cheat a little bit and, and mention two things, but they tend to go hand in hand often. Um, so the first one is complexity. I tend to work with clients who are in the public affairs space. Um, they're often in highly regulated fields. And, you know, for them, usually their ultimate audience is some sort of uh, decision maker or policy maker or government official. But we try to leverage public and other influencers to kind of drive those public affairs outcomes that clients are looking for. So mobilizing and activating that middleman, the influencer, the Canadian voting public, or, you know, the stakeholder group, the third-party stakeholder group that has a lot of influence on policymakers. That can be very difficult when my clients' issues are, you know, highly complex or, you know, very marred in tons of regulation. And so the story is like very rarely straightforward. So this is an ongoing challenge. And I imagine it's not just a challenge for, for kind of public affairs types communications, but other types of brands as well. Um, the thing that I found most successful in overcoming this kind of challenge though, is um, even if you can't speak about, you know, what's happening now or the thing a client wants to achieve now in a very simplistic way or in a simplistic way that doesn't kind of undermine, you know, the value and credibility of that credit. What I like to do is develop the story and the narrative that paints the picture of the future uh, world that the client is trying to create. So if we're talking about mining clients, for example, you know, there's a huge amount of regulation that says what they can and cannot talk about in terms of, you know, the size of the mine that they own or the amount of the natural resource that they have access to because of laws that exist, um, right? Uh, but like we can, we don't have to always be literally communicating those things. Um, we can talk about, you know, what is the future of Canada or the world going to look like when our client leverages this natural resource to do innovative things, to drive 
like new inventions or new applications that will um, push push society to a place where quality of life is improved, um, where people are more prosperous, et cetera. And so, you know, helping clients move their thinking from narrative about specifically what they do day to day up to, uh, you know, what's what's the world you want to create for your target audience is generally a good way to kind of navigate through the complexity of client issues. And the second one I'll add, and this is often uh, tied up with the complexity piece, but a lot of times I have clients who, you know, they want to do storytelling because they have driven amazing outcomes for the public or for their target audiences or for, you know, the the people that they serve. Um, but in a lot of ways, unfortunately, in today's world, if your story doesn't have an innate tension built into it, or it doesn't have a bad guy that we can kind of rally the story around and then, you know, uphold the client as the hero or the solution to that, um, it becomes difficult to draw attention because, um, you know, there is so much tension in the world and, um, uh, you know, just good news stories all the time tend to, um, you know, not be as sticky for audiences. It, it might make them feel good for a moment, but it often, in my experience, does not, you know, um, uh, generate kind of like loyalty and attention over a long period, as opposed to if they have some sort of perceived injustice or, um, you know, some sort of right uh, wrong that needs to be righted um, that you're building your story around. And so, um, again, I, I think like the answer to that is coming up with, uh, rather than speaking about the specific issue and like inventing a bad guy, what I would like to do is just bring it back. How, how can you relate the client's story to kind of a common human challenge that everybody faces, um, whether it's, you know, worry about your family's future in terms of financial prosperity if it's, you know, wondering, uh, you know, what to do next in your career, many of these common human experiences that are not necessarily bad, but they, you know, they have that kind of tension built into them. Um, if we can build kind of, we can relate the client's good news story to those common experiences, um, then we can kind of still pull on the strings of our audience uh, where, you know, they're looking for kind of an answer to something. And so without being inauthentic about it, we have to figure out like, you know, why is this a good news story? And, you know, why did you do this in the first place? What was the impetus for you as a brand or a corporation to take this act in and drive this positive outcome? Um, if we can get to the why of that and, you know, start with something that's a little bit tension filled, then usually um, our our storytelling is is more successful in the long term. Thank you for those unique insights, Emily, and thank you for highlighting how communicators work with not so straightforward and complex stories. And you rightly mentioned that simplifying and humanizing the stories and painting a picture of the future is a great example. Ashish, we'll move to you, please. Some of the challenges I have faced regarding storytelling should include uh, changing people's perspective. I think it's very difficult to do that. You can reinforce their thoughts. You can reinforce what they already think. Uh, now, case in point, I was also servicing a mining giant for good half a decade, right? No matter what you say, coal is a dirty word. We have been doing campaigns around Environment Day, about ESG, about sustainability, but it was very difficult to change people's perception. So the chairman went on record and mentioned that 
we do know that coal is not the future but to take care of growing energy demands of 1.4 billion people we have to be dependent on coal at least till 2030 we have forayed into new energy and we do believe that coal is not the future so how we deal with it is being honest and authentic right and the challenge i face is changing people's perspective other than that it's difficult to capture audience interest and sustain it uh staying relevant and we have seen this with a lot of legacy brands also and at one point you used to work with canon you know you cannot harp on your legacy we have seen what happened with brands like yahoo or kodak or nokia for that matter so staying relevant is another challenge some more challenges do include being consistent releasing information and emotion and adapting to different audiences like i mentioned uh, for some of the conglomerates i work with like we are looking at a target audience of 100 million also right so different audience different perspective one relish on non-veg food during navratras and the other fast for 9 days so how do you adapt your communication to so different perspective is really a challenge when it comes to indian market but as a marketer with with experience you do know how the tricks of the trade and and how to you know work around these challenges and this is there is no secret sauce of how you deal with it 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 it, it varies from brand to brand uh, and you do find a right mix uh, to overcome these challenges thank you so much for highlighting uh, ashish that shifting narratives and perspectives is challenging it definitely is and thank you for sharing your personal experiences and showcasing how communicators fight the big fight to share the real stories of our clients thank you both for this engaging and interesting conversation and for sharing your experiences learnings and valuable insights with us before we wrap up we would love for you to answer some rapid fire questions one book podcast or podcast that has helped you become a better communicator i would recommend a podcast called how's work hosted by Esther Perel who's a pretty well-known and notable um psychotherapist and uh, but she applies kind of those principles um to the world of work like consume a lot of content again cheap data in india so tech talks uh, podcast from sahil bloom naval ravikant and uh, traditional books like how to win friends and influence people crucial conversations have helped me in my journey those are some amazing ones i also uh, listen to some of them and i'm going to check out the others as well so emily your next question is what is your communications mantra yeah my mentor for a long time has been you can learn to do anything with a google search and the right attitude which is really in my experience very necessary in today's communications landscape because uh, our world is always shifting and things are always evolving and so um having the right attitude and the aptitude to kind of figure out how to get things done yourself is um really really critical to my success and certainly I've observed that in many of my most successful colleagues as well. I've had the privilege to work with you uh, and I can definitely vouch for that. So thank you for having that as your mantra. What about you Ashish? I don't have any mantra but this is what I say to my colleagues, uh, listen with intent, speak with clarity and connect with empathy. Awesome. That that's a very good tagline and I've had the privilege to work with you as well Ashish and uh, we've shared some really good experiences and have told some really amazing stories together. So thank you for that. Uh one tip for future communicators Emily. Yeah, I think my tip is to of course hone your craft as a communicator, like learn the best practices and principles. That's of course important, but I think even more important frankly is to become immersed in and even like a pseudo expert on a wide range of issues 
um, that are applicable today in you know the market that you're typically operating in, whether that be Canada, India, or elsewhere, and also in global issues, uh, because you know that that is kind of the way into understanding how to craft the storytelling that's going to be most important to people. And I think like part and parcel of that is, you know, even if you don't have clients or ongoing work in a specific kind of topic area to um, really try to follow and engage with experts on different kinds of issues uh, in your own time, but experts who are on all sides of that issue, um, you know, social media has been really wonderful for us in order like to give us access to different kinds of voices. So no matter what the topic is, like find the grassroots voice, find the, you know, traditional institutional voice and identify those folks who care about these things in between as well and stay on top of how they're thinking about, about their issue, because you never know when that's going to become relevant to you in, uh, in your day-to-day work. That's very well put. That's not only relevant for future communicators, but for all communicators. So really, really uh, thank you for sharing. What about you, Ashish? Be a good listener and an and an avid reader. Very, very important. Be a good listener and a good reader. Yes, avid reader. I have not been an avid reader for a while, so so that's a good tip for me as well. One app that's a must use for you. Yeah, for for me, it's Otter AI. Honestly, it's that's been a game changer in terms of transcription of like even just meetings or uh, you know any kind of like real world conversation. Obviously, there's like a transparency issue. We always want people to know when um, they're being transcribed. But um, as a person who tends to engage like very deeply and presently in the conversation and like do a lot of real time brainstorming, that can be great. But I also tend to sometimes like either miss or forget the specific details of the conversation. So as just personally, I find Otter AI transcription services to be really helpful, kind of like my personal assistant. That's a really good example. I've heard of it recently and I've heard a lot of people talking about it. What about you, Ashish? What is your app that's a must use for you? The honest answer these days would be chat GPT, but I'll go with Instagram. Yeah, both, both of them are relevant. Okay, the next question is, what's the most important skill for a communication professional in today's fast-paced digital world? I think you've briefly covered that, but we'll ask you again. Yeah, this is um, something that I haven't mastered yet and I'm continuing to work on, but I think um, brevity and clarity are two things that if we can figure out how to master that as communicators, then we can um, you know, apply that in our client work and uh, in the brand work that we do uh, much more successfully. I think for me, it's adaptability for sure. Yeah, those are really important skills. Um, this session was absolutely enriching. On behalf of everyone at IBC Ottawa, a big thank you to both of you. Do you have any closing remarks that you would like to add, please? Just to say thank you, Anu and Ashish, for having me today. It's been a great conversation. And uh, I can't wait to listen to more of the um, expert insights you bring onto the podcast in the future, Anu. Thank you so much for having me, Anu. Thank you so much, Emily. I plan to visit Canada next year and I would love to meet you once I'm there. We would love to have you. A big thank you to everyone who tuned in to listen to us. Every month, we will bring you communicators from around the globe and we'll cover topics ranging from internal comms and crisis comms to diversity, equity, inclusion, mental health, analytics and more. If you have any questions that you want me to ask or any topics that you would like us to cover, send us an email to wpdigital at ottawa.iebc.com. 
Keep smiling, keep shining and keep telling those stories that matter.